0: Hey, everybody, welcome back to Black Card Rehab, the show where we go from zero to black, one episode at a time. I am joined, as always, by my white friend Paige. Hey, Paige. Hello. Um, on a scale of zero to black, how are you feeling today?
1: I am feeling having to baby powder myself excessively because of the heat. So, mm-hmm. still pretty mm-hmm. white. I feel like that's a white person thing. I don't know if it's not. Baby powder? Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, baby powder. Uh, And it's it feels gross. It feels like I end up with just like paste on my skin. So
0: yeah, yeah. pretty
1: gross. Gross, I think, I is mean, where I'm at.
0: I feel like we grew up with baby powder in the house. Mm-hmm. I think, but for primarily like feminine... Like feminine areas.
1: <laughs> so, the same reason. Which actually to-
0: gives you cancer. That's what I heard anyway. You but, know what?
1: Um, I mean, I'm going to get cancer from so many different things at this same. point. I'm just, you know, rolling the dice with it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but imagine if your whole body was a feminine area.
0: <laughs> yeah. There you go. <laughs> that's what it's like when it's
1: 109 degrees by your house. So yeah there we go and on a scale from zero to African American how are you feeling today crystal
0: i'm I'm feeling pretty good um i i i so i related so hard to uh this the story of the person that we're gonna talk about today mm-hmm. um there's something about comedians and rappers. I don't know why it's so close um but it's <laughs> like it's a struggle <laughs> mm-hmm. um Uh, (laughs) Um, and I'm really happy to uh, have today's guest on. Um, she's a hilarious comedian. Um, you can hear her comedy on Sirius XM. Thank you for being on the podcast, Pamela Ross.
2: Of course. Thank you so much for having me. Very exciting to be here, uh, in a, in a remote (laughs) capacity, maybe not in the same physical space, but, (laughs) but it's good to talk all the same.
0: Yes. And I asked this question, regardless of race, uh, how are you feeling today on a scale of zero to black?
2: Oh my gosh. Um, (laughs) Is the scale like high, like, I don't, I don't know. Um, (laughs) I, I, I might have to tiptoe around this one. (laughs) I'm not sure what the implications are of the like, the the scale in terms of the numbers, like is more better, like is being black, being blacker in this case would be better, right?
0: Like, um, could be I mean, like, you know, I I don't know what your your current like hair regimen situation is. But like, (laughs) <laughs> um, you know, Paige's Paige's boyfriend uses Murray's pomade, so I I feel wow. like that's <laughs> yeah. and and I use... oh, I mean husband actually yeah. no
1: <laughs> and and I use Cantu and I gotta say yeah she uses Cantu better <laughs> I'm having good wow. hair days now turns out Cantu was the key
0: <laughs> but it could be person place or thing it's whatever you want there is no judgment.
2: Oh, okay. I see. Um, I get. I think I'm probably right in the middle.
1: I'm right at a five. Okay, I like that. If if ten is black and one is white, right at a five. I'm at five. (laughs) I'm comfortably
2: biracial. I guess I have no Mm -hmm, idea. mm -hmm, (laughs) I'm uh, like, am I being? Is this offensive? I don't know. I have no idea. I can't. I have no sense of. Between comedy and being extremely online, I have no sense of taste or discretion anymore. So yeah, I can't be held accountable for what I say, frankly, no.
0: Yeah,
2: <laughs>
1: That's pretty. Why nice. do I feel lately?
0: Like Twitter is like he's Twitter is like our stepdad right now. Um, right. Like keeping us in line in a weird way. Um.
2: I live every day like I'm just trying to not get canceled. That's a good day in my book. I was not a. I was not a trending topic on Twitter, so it was good
0: that's yeah, and there's so many things that you would never expect that that are that have been trending. it's so weird um I think
2: from everyone just being creeped up it's it's very strange there was like this I don't re- I don't know if you remember a few weeks ago when people were dragging Lena Dunham all over again mm-hmm. because, uh, again I, Again, there's been like, it's hard to keep really keep track of all of them and keep them all distinct. But yeah, I guess the guy who, the guy who does the voice of Jar Jar Banks, he <laughs> quote, <laughs> that's where we're starting. He quote tweeted.
1: Uh, Ahmed Best, I believe is his name. Yes. Yes, exactly. And uh, he, he
2: quote tweeted this. She, the link was actually broken, but the, the article does exist on the Internet. It's a Hollywood Reporter article in the trades and it was just like an oral history of the show girls from right. It was obviously promotion for the, the series finale. It was like published right before then, And, uh, there was the social, like the social copy that they accompanied the tweet with was like, for whatever reason, I, I mean, I'm sure just to like generate clicks it was just about how like her pitch for the show was like a half page outline or something oh
0: yes HBO yes yes, yes. Mm-hmm. gave
2: her this deal largely on the strength of um her feature film tiny furniture which she made before girls and uh Judd Apatow basically like vouching for her you know mm-hmm. and obviously she's like been so privileged in so many ways and like the fact that she was able to make a feature that young is obviously Mm -hmm. um symptomatic of that but it was just so Mm -hmm. funny to me that just for a day everyone was dragging Queen of Dunham and the link (laughs) in the article didn't even work and it was from three years ago (laughs) I loved that anything like because everyone's just inside on their computers so like if something gains Mm -hmm. traction it doesn't matter like how relevant it is or isn't. People are just like, well, I've got to share what I think about this now. Uh, Yeah. It's just been, the internet's been, I've been trying to not be too online, which is hard for me. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, I I think some of what you're saying speaks to, like, even the rap world as, like, you know, rap and hip-hop was starting, Um, but I would love it if you would introduce our topic for today.
2: Oh, of course. I could really talk forever about anything, so I'm very prone to tangents. (laughs) Um, Okay, Roxanne Chante, who is really such a seminal figure in hip-hop, but who I think partly because of how young she was when she started and how early she got out of the industry and also how young like hip-hop was as a genre when she was active. A lot of people don't know about her, including, like I would say, a lot of hip-hop fans. Um, but she was one of the, I would say, first like really preeminent, well-known female rappers.
0: So I didn't know anything about her. I'm curious, like, how did you come to know what you know about her?
2: I remember... I was, I mean, I was definitely in college. I was, I had like a, you know, like a radio show. We have like a college radio station and mm-hmm. you could kind of play whatever you wanted as long as you played some of the new music that we would get in from these different, you know, all kinds of record labels. As long as you played and promoted a certain amount of new music during your, you know, slot and did some kinds of like PSAs or like promos for local events, they didn't really You went to log, like, the tracks you played, but they kind of gave you, like, free reign, you know? And I was always kind of drawn to female rappers because I was, well, I was very into punk growing up. And it's kind of like comedy in that, like, if you went to these punk shows or, like, when I was singing in a band, I would be, like, the only woman on the bill. You know, like, you were automatically, at least in terms of numbers, like, you were a minority when you'd go to these, like these functions you know in like the local the local music scene or whatever and when I started comedy in Boston it was much the same New York is very different but I was always interested in things that tended to be like male dominated Mm quote-unquote in terms of the numbers but also in terms of like the power and the influence you know and so in college I was getting really into I loved well I've always loved Lil' Kim I fell deeply in love with Lil' Kim
0: um, mm. <laughs> in 1999,
2: because, um, I don't know if you remember this, but at the 1999 VMAs, uh, Diana Ross presented, it was Diana Ross, Mary J. Blige, and Lil' Kim, and,
1: uh, they were pre- Yes. I mean, they were we presenting- all remember that one. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, <laughs> it's such a beautiful moment where Diana Ross, Diana Ross seems completely, like, delighted by the fact that one of Lil' Kim's
1: breasts is exposed. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yes. And she she's got, a, like, a pasty on over. it that matches the dress. It's a but, little yeah.
1: seashell, a seashell pasty, yeah. Yeah.
2: It's so cute. Like, it's just that seashell, like, covering her areola. And, and Diana Ross just reaches over and, like, literally jiggles her breast. And, yes. Yes. They all laughing. <laughs> and it's just, like... I was like, well, what's, I don't know exactly what's happening, but I do think it's important. Like, it just was the most, like, culturally relevant, like, formative thing I'd seen that year in music television programming, which I watched, I, like, mainlined growing up, okay? Like, I couldn't, I was very into music, and I wanted to be a music journalist, so anyway, I was getting very into Lil' Kim and I was like, huh, I wonder, I wanted like more context. Cause you, there's obviously like big names where you're like, okay, like the early nineties, like there was Lil' Kim, there was like um, MC Light, Queen Latifah, obviously who's like crossed over and done all kinds of things across, you know, mm-hmm. entertainment. And um, there's, uh, I knew about like DeBrat and like Missy Elliott, obviously as both like a rapper and a very influential producer but I felt like I didn't have a lot of context for women in hip-hop. And I didn't mm-hmm. know... I was like, who's, like, the, the pioneers, like, the predecessors, you know what I mean? Who... So I was trying to, like, do research on that and play, like, earlier, like, 80s and 90s hip-hop, which I'm not an expert on. But I find, like... I find the history of any kind of, like, American-made art form fascinating. It could be
0: mm-hmm.
2: hip-hop. It could be musical theater. It could be jazz you know yeah. and um and that's kind of how i found her and i was surprised by like what i considered her relative obscurity like even now like i'm like there's so many i still have questions about her i like she, she remains somewhat of an enigma but i think that with renewed interest in women's stories like more and more people are going back and being like she's a really important figure in hip-hop and you should pay attention to her that's kind of how i found out about her just at my college radio
0: station. Paige, did you
1: did you know about her? I did not. This was brand new to me. And I also uh viscerally remember that little Kim moment. And I <laughs> love female rappers. And so for me, this was kind of a delight to find. Um, mm-hmm. you know, especially looking at it and thinking, like, okay, this predates salt and peppa, this predates pretty much every you know female rapper that we've mentioned or covered on the show and just Mm -hmm. is frequently mentioned mentioned and covered in you know cultural zeitgeist like I was really impressed and kind of sad that no one knew about her I read there's like a great article interview uh, by her and she kind of just goes through like what it was like at the time and it's fascinating
0: yeah, and um, actually, in 2017, um, there was a movie that went to Sundance, um, and it's now on Netflix called Roxanne, Roxanne. And I just watched like the first 15 minutes of it. And I'm like, oh, I'm about to watch this whole thing. <laughs> it looks really good, um, and it covers specifically her life. And um, I mean, a- again, I haven't watched the whole thing, but like it just from from the way that it's produced, just off top the first fifteen minutes that I've seen, I'm like, this is going to be good. And uh, also, I did uh, I did watch um, an hour long part of a- parts of an hour long Vlad interview with her, where she talks about the first time she heard the words "female rapper" together, mm. and it's really like kind of devastating, um, yeah, because. She talks about like competing. She was in this like competition for like best MC, and they, for whatever reason, decided to have her rap against everybody instead of like putting her into a category. And it comes down to her and another uh, rapper named Busy Bee. And um, what happened was she. I don't know why it was public or why maybe she overheard it. I don't know. But like the one of the judges, I forget who it was, but it's somebody who's still famous. Um, One of the judges asked, you know, like, so she's going to win. And they were like, yeah, she's been beating everybody. She's going to win. The only way she wouldn't win is if she gets a two. She's been getting nines and tens for her scores the whole time. So after that battle, he gives her a two so that she wouldn't win. And years mm-hmm. later, he like they have this moment where he really wants to explain to her why he, why he did that, and she's like, "It's fine. We don't need to do that. You know, we don't need to like. I'm fine now." Um, because she said at the time, like, you know, that like it really broke her heart. Like that's when that's the first time that hip hop broke her heart. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said, you know, at the time hip hop was you know, being discussed by everybody as this fleeting thing, this thing that was going to go away. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And, um, you know, and we were just at the point where we were getting ready to be taken seriously. And there was no way that hip hop was going to be taken seriously. If the best theme, if the best rapper was a 15 year old girl.
1: Which is bullshit. But yeah.
0: Yeah. Right. And I don't know why some There's some way when I watch her in the interview, it seems like she's actually okay with that answer. I'm not. <laughs> yeah. yeah, me too.
1: I, I agree. I'm not. Oh. Okay with
0: that, but. but then what happened is after, um, you know, so she loses... And people are booing, um, whoever the judge was, he had to be like rushed out of the building, but people were consoling her. And while they were consoling her, they're saying, look, but like, you know, maybe you didn't win this one, but like, you were the best female rapper. Like you're the best, like you're the, you're the best of the female rappers.
1: But she's like, I'm the best rapper.
0: Exactly. She's yeah. that's what and that's what she wanted. She's like, I'd never heard them make that distinction before. Nobody was making a distinction between men and women. It was just you were MC, you were a rapper. It was never female or male.
1: That's how I feel when I hear female comics sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it automatically um
2: like well, I guess the word would be ghettoizes you. Like it automatically relegates mm-hmm. you to a totally different and it's weird because it's just it should just be a semantic thing, but the implications are mm-hmm. like <laughs> so much more real than yeah.
0: that.
2: Yeah. It's othering. Exactly. In such a literal way, but yeah, the crazy thing is that she was such a prodigy. Like when she first recorded Roxanne's revenge, well, I think that it was first titled Roxanne speaks out, but they rebranded it as Roxanne's revenge. It was this response record that she recorded when she was fourteen, she recorded uh, just a seven minute freestyle that became this four minute record. At only fourteen years old, she became famous essentially overnight through the through the radio in New York. Because again, you know, so many of the hip hop scenes were still like hyper local, and it's strange to think about the fact that people were just like turning on terrestrial AM FM radio and being like, this is how I hear about new music. You know, <laughs> it's such mm-hmm. a foreign. Yeah. Uh, so now I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. Spotify curate something for me. I don't really, um, I'm not really hands on <laughs> with that, but <laughs> she was 14 years old and she was, and she came up battle rapping, which is, I mean,
0: starting at the age of nine.
2: As a child like a child, like a small child, and was regularly Mm. beating boys and men. Like it wasn't even like Mm -hmm. wasn't even close, you know, like Mm -hmm. her talent, her just like I must have been such a natural facility for the rhyming. And she talks about growing up in um in Queensbridge, which is a housing development in Long Island City which is literally right across the bridge from me in Manhattan. And she talks about growing up there and battle wrapping like there, she like family friends and her family would just take her to like other projects, community centers, wherever they were hosting these competitions. And she was really, she was ultra competitive. She has like a very competitive streak and Mm -hmm. she just had that kind of battling mentality. Like, it's kind of like comedy where you feel like every set you have to prove yourself. And you're like, only,
0: mm-hmm.
2: as, you're only as good as your last set one, you know, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. That, the pressure of like live performance, um, and having to like prove yourself to the audience and the audience, but also like your peers, like getting the, re- she talks about like the respect of your MC, your MC peers was so instrumental to you, like, being taken seriously in the scene because it was such a new thing. Like, there weren't really gatekeepers in the same way. Like, she cut that record, Roxanne's Revenge, and then it was just, like, they had the connections to get it played on the radio because so many, like, rappers came out of Queensbridge, like, um well, Ju- Juice Crew, which she was a part of, and then, um like, Mobb Deep and Nas and Marley Marl and, like, a lot of really important like new york-based rappers but um Mm -hmm. it's just yeah i can't believe how much she did at such a young age like she was really done with the industry by the time she was 25 i didn't start comedy till i was 23 like yeah (laughs) for comparison's sake like that's so that's so bananas but she accomplished so much at such a young age when uh She she was also dealing with, like, so much adversity in her personal life, which I don't know, like, how much of that you've, like, researched, but the movie lays it out pretty clearly, but a lot of, uh, I mean, she had a kid by the time she was 16, Mm -hmm. and um, she also has these really, I I keep in mind that this, so she started rap. Roxanne's Revenge came out in 1984. These people are only, like, in their 50s now. Like, they're still, like,
0: right, very much
2: very much alive. It's weird to talk about this stuff mm-hmm. in retrospect, like, it's ancient history or something. But in terms of the culture, it does feel that way. <laughs> like, there is just, it's, like, such, like, a rapid evolution of the genre. And it's just become, like, it, again, at the time, like you mentioned, like, people talked about it like a fad. Like, well, you're not even really playing instruments. You're just rapping over beats that already exist. So, like, what is that? Like, is that music? Yeah. Like, You know, it was certainly not, people weren't talking about it like this potentially very lucrative, like commodity, like far from it, you know,
0: Mm -hmm.
2: it's just very, so again, she's like 50 years old and lives in New Jersey. Like it's, it's very weird to talk about her like a historical figure.
0: (laughs) But it's crazy. I, and one of the things that I found fascinating was she became kind of like this, like, this um whipping post for people. So mm-hmm. when people would enter the scene, they would kind of like either challenge her or make a kind of a Roxanne diss track and because they knew she was kind of going to like, you know, like push back and like make a kind of a, a revenge track. And like, it was kind of a way for people to get their name out there. She was like the... Like, people kind of made her the villain um, as a starting point for some of their careers. But one of the most badass things that I, I heard her say in this Vlad interview is that she's like, Well, you know, I mean, like, yes, I would, like, you know, fight back. But what I would love to do is, like, I would just find out where they were performing and I would show up. And, and, then, and then like, and then like get on stage and then like, back, like challenge them back, like literally in the moment. And I, I just, I'm like trying to imagine what the comedy equivalent of that is. Oh my God. It's like uh,
2: showing up to like your enemy's bar show and then demanding a spot. Bum rushing the stage while they're hosting.
0: It's so funny because I feel like, though, in comedy, like, if people are enemies, it's usually for, like, things that are, like, felonies. Um, So... (laughs) Real life reasons. So, (laughs) as opposed to, like, I don't know, he talked bad about my mama, you know? Like... (laughs)
2: Right, and, like, it's just, like, it was interesting to me, so, like, the, it's called, like, the The Roxanne Wars that were, like, a series of, like, hip-hop beefs that played out through, like, a series of, like, response records, so, like, Mm -hmm. her and hers was the first one, but the originals, it was a b-side that UTFO, which was, like, a crew from Brooklyn, they, um, was it was played on the radio and like I guess I guess the Juice crew was frustrated with them. Oh, and the song was like had it had nothing to do with like real life actually. It was just called Roxanne Roxanne and it was about Mm -hmm. this like woman who uh turned down all four of the members' advances. And they're like, Oh Roxanne, Mm -hmm. we're like obsessed with you, but you're like an elusive dream girl, right? And Mm -hmm. it became Mm -hmm. a hit. And then just like I love, like, the lack of, like, technology in this story. So, like, Roxanne gets looped into this at 14 years old because she just, like, is walking around Queensbridge and she just (laughs) hears three members of the Juice Crew being like, that song by UTFO is good, but remember when they disrespected us by not showing up to, like, a radio show when they were supposed to? And she's like, hey... She just like literally physically hears this within earshot and she's like hey what if I respond to that song Roxanne Roxanne and we can tell them what you really think about them and they're like okay and like that was it like there's no texts exchanged there isn't even a landline involved she's just like let's do this and they're like okay and then she just goes to Marley Marl's like room and he like DJs and she raps for seven minutes like again like (laughs) a prodigal talent like she just raps for seven it's it's a seven minute take that's the one Mm -hmm. take and then they cut it down and everyone was like who is this and why does Mm -hmm. she sound like a child she had this like you know squeaky little voice (laughs) and um (laughs) it became a hit but anyway so she gets whooped into this and then usually when there was a response record, that would be it. Like there was a song and there was a response and like, that's it, you know? Mm -hmm. And then there's a series. It's, it's tough to like say exactly how many there were, but there are 30 to 100 response records that grew to become the Roxanne Wars. And again, Roxanne, not a real person. A fake person, Roxanne <laughs> Chanté, <laughs> invented for a song, and Roxanne Chanté, her so her middle name was Chanté. Her name is Lolita Chanté Gooden, and then she was like, "I'm Roxanne now. I'm Roxanne Chanté because <laughs> like I'm Roxanne." It became like part of her branding, which is so mm-hmm. interesting. And then UTFO, they responded to that with in uh, a record from a different female rapper who called herself the real Roxanne. So now Mm. there's like this clear cut rivalry, there's rival Roxanne's and then different crews. It wasn't just these two crews either. It was like just all kinds of different hip hop collectives got involved and recorded um, records from the point of view of like Roxanne, but also different people in her life, like her family, they like built like this, like, text this like fictional text that like wove in real life beef so it's a really Mm -hmm. interesting like cultural text of like 1980s hip-hop in New York um and it was all kicked off by this one b-side that people thought sounded good it's very strange but um it has to be the most response records ever Mm -hmm. like up up to 100 like that's that's wild yeah so she's she's Part of that's also kind of why she's part of rap history, be like inciting those Roxanne wars. And it ended up being a very uh, a fruitful <laughs> subject for a lot of people.
1: Yeah, I didn't realize that. I mean, I knew that Roxanne was not her real name uh, because I had looked it up. But the idea that she just heard a song and was like, I'm going to take on a <laughs> fictional character is the most badass thing ever i love like that makes me love it even more because i listened to uh (laughs) roxanne's revenge like right before we started recording this and i was just Mm -hmm. like this is nuts she's going hard (laughs) and now to just realize that it was like oh no i'm just doing this to fuck with you and i'm gonna embody this fake person i kind of love that it's all great Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah like she embodies
2: this fake woman this fake persona that became her rap persona
1: it's very interesting to me yeah that's fascinating
0: i mean what do you think contributes to the fact that so few of us know her there's like so such little tribute paid to her um you know because rappers give each other credit all the time you know like Mm-hmm. whether it's through sampling or calling them out, calling out the greats, you know, like what do you think that is?
2: I think part of it is that she excelled and was famous in a this hip-hop scene that is so different from hip-hop now. It was such an early incarnation of the genre and at a, again, again at a time when people were not, ready to take it seriously um and it was still very much like it was siloed it was like its own distinct genre that was still developing and it hadn't crossed over and influenced other genres and I feel like part of part of it is just being a part of early hip-hop history but also being a woman at that time like she's it, it makes you a lot more likely to be relegated to like a footnote of history you know yeah um yeah and I I think from a modern standpoint people are more interested they're like they're trying to suss out what women's contributions uh to culture and and just achievements in general like i didn't know anything about um now i feel bad i can't remember oh hidden figures i didn't know anything Mm -hmm, about mm -hmm, mm -hmm. those women i was like what how did Mm -hmm. i you know there's just so much of i hate to call it women's history. But, like, there's so much of it that we are still, like, excavating, you know? We're still, like, mm-hmm. paying attention to and, and trying to, like, figure it out. Because even at the time, like, in their own air, er- like, women's accomplishments could be so minimized. But also, the I feel like cultural forces were such that, like just, like, the baseline oppression of being a woman. Like, it was so much harder to advocate for yourself at the time. And she was dealing mm-hmm. with um, a lot in her personal life that I think kind of, I don't want to say, like, sidetracked her. That makes it sound like she doesn't have agency or something. But, um, yeah, I mean, she again, she was pretty much out of the industry by 25. So people just don't know her, and I don't think that they make that connection mm-hmm. to, like, a little Kim or like a salt and pepper, you know what I mean? And there's like that disconnect from her yeah. to, like what people think of as the next wave of female rappers. And I don't know exactly what accounts for that. I think part of it, yeah, it was just the the relative youth of the genre. And maybe like she wasn't as sexualized because she was a child, so people think of her like her image or persona as a rapper as being like distinct and maybe less influential in that way, but It's, it's hard to say.
0: I mean, I think it's, it's a, it's probably, you know, very, again, very similar to comedy where you have like, anytime you have some sort of profession, like our our new venture and it's heavily dominated by men, what you have is this tokenism. And then the, the ones who are the tokens in order to stay a part of it, they either have to embrace the dominant culture, in this case, you know, embrace kind of patriarchal values in order to survive, or they have to distinguish themselves from the other women who, you know, if you're a woman. And I feel like that's probably a lot of what was happening, you know, with the subsequent women, female MCs and rappers whereas you where you have this like heavily dominant male dominated profession and so you have to you have to do one or the other either you have to you know intensely identify with that culture or you have to try to um or you or you, you end up like get, being you know like completely siloed you know like mm-hmm. i i feel like and i feel like part of you know intensely identifying with the patriarchy probably in some ways means like you're not you're thinking more about like the, 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 the other men who you're trying to like, you're competing with in your mind, you know? Right. But she's such a force that I'm like, she, and she's so good. And like, when I saw the interview with her, where she's talking about like her strategy and taking down people in the moment while she's like freestyling, it's just like, I mean, she, she to me is like such a, founding mother, you know, Mm -hmm. for the genre. And be and not just because she was one of the first, but because she was so good.
2: Right. Yeah. I mean, even at that time, people were like, she's a better rapper than Big Daddy Kane, which is crazy. Mm -hmm. But also (laughs) true. But like no one her like her stature within music. I'm like no one, she's still kind of obscure. If people just yeah. don't connect the dots, I don't know. It's, it's weird, but I'm hoping that things like, like that movie was put on Netflix in 2018. And there's so many great, like young up and coming. Um, well, now I feel strange about using the term female rapper, but, <laughs> but <laughs> great young up and coming female rappers who I, who I love, like city girls and I love Haze, city girls. And I, mm, I love them so much. Um, they're just great. And uh, yeah, just really great up and coming performers. So I, I hope that, um, more people learn about her, her legacy and, you know, carry it on. I mean, she, again, it's wild to think that she's only 50 years old, but is like the godmother of a genre.
0: Yeah. How would you describe like, I mean, her rap style and her music and kind of, like, what people can expect in her albums. I mean, I listen to – I think it's, like, Bad bad Sister. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How would you describe, like, her sound to people?
2: It is probably going to strike people as almost, like, proto-rap. Like, it doesn't um, resemble, like, the rap that people – my age, like I'm 29, uh, born in 91, like it's not gonna resemble the rap maybe that we grew up with. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. it just sounds like it's, you could tell how skilled she is, but it sounds like kind of a little vintage, but I, I think for her, like the big thing is that she, she came up battle rapping and was like, she just freestyles like her kind of dexterity and ability to rhyme in the moment. Mm-hmm. and is really impressive and like a hallmark of her style because she doesn't really talk she doesn't write I don't believe she ever like wrote down lyrics she was like Jay-Z in that way but it was also <laughs> she was really good at coming up with these pointed insults like she says on, <laughs> uh, I think it's on have a nice day she says that KRS-One's name sounds like a whack radio station it's like, <laughs> like and she uh, it's incredible to hear her just call out like multiple male rappers consecutively like by name and just be like you suck and this is why and then move on to the next one it's like a, like this very like systematic like krs one like you blow and then the next like it's incredible i just oh, yeah. i love it <laughs> and it's really like a no holds bar and people were shocked they couldn't believe like the maturity of like her persona on the mic, it's like, so like outpaced her, the fact that she was just 14 years old, she's really scary in these raps. Like she's so good. <laughs> like it's very intimidating. I can imagine, I mean, besides like the fact that they felt, I'm sure immediately emasculated, I can imagine being intimidated going toe to toe with someone who is, who is that good. And huh. Her ability to, to just rap spontaneously. I mean, it's not easy. Anyone who's tried to do that knows that it is hard. I cannot yeah. do it in a, se- in a serious way. All of my raps have to be like <laughs> joke raps. And they have mm-hmm. to be about how I'm bad at rapping. <laughs> they're always, they're know- like meta in that way. <laughs> <laughs> my name is Pamela and I'm here to say I suck <laughs> at rap every single day. You know, like just... <laughs>
0: I mean don't feel bad there's um in the extended version of Stevie Wonders Do I Do he does the exact same thing and I cringe every time <laughs> oh, no Stevie
1: every time yes wow I didn't know that well
2: I love honestly just hearing that he's bad at anything musical yeah uh, yeah makes me, makes me feel better about myself because he's like another exactly. prodigy well, see, no one can have everything you know
0: exactly
2: Stevie yeah rap. perfect bitch um, <laughs> <Can't rap. laughs> there were just some so many this was like years ago i think rich rich Juziak, who writes for jezebel now but i think when he was still writing for gawker when gawker existed he talked about how so many female rappers have to be multi-talented just to like do the thing they want to do, which is rap. Like a lot of female rappers mm. are also very good singers. Like, yeah, in hell yeah. can sing, and mm-hmm. Elliot, Queen, like, Queen Latifah,
1: Queen Latifah, like, definitely a lot of
2: them can sing. And then, cut to literally think about Kanye West singing. I mean, he sounds tone deaf. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you're
1: like, like, <laughs> have you heard music before? Like, ha- I know you make it, but have you heard it? it? makes... No sense, like given his
2: like excellent musician musicianship in a lot of you know, and then he sings and you're like, oh my, it's he sounds like an out of tune guitar, like it's shocking. <laughs> What's the part in um? I think it's in Runaway when he sings. I don't want to. It's well, just, and
0: a lot of eight oh eights of heartbreak. He does sing a lot in eight oh eights, but it's a lot of auto tune. Um. Oh
2: yes, of course, of course, like yeah, and people were. I mean, I know that's kind of a let's say a polarizing record in his album and <laughs> his discography
0: um but i mean yeah you're right and and i and i think a lot of people were surprised by it because he's so good at collaborations like he's so good at um picking an artist that is absolutely perfect for the song that he's going to rap to so it really was like such a sharp left that i that you know cuz it's not like he, he's I I just feel like so many of his collaborations were like the absolute perfect matchup. um, Mm -hmm. To then be like, "Mm, I got this, you know what I mean? Like, "Mm, Brandy, don't need you, you know what I mean? Like, um, she has,
2: he has, like on that out on, uh, what is it, my beautiful dark twisted fantasy? He has like Rihanna's on it, Tiana Taylor, yeah, backup vocals. It's not like he does on it too, yeah. And not, I think like, Gwen
0: Stefani, like r- randomly, like yeah,
2: it's it's not like he couldn't have like made a call. I just yeah, <laughs> I I mean I remain fascinated by him. I'll just say that there's a lot I can say about Kanye, but we don't. It falls outside the scale of this
0: episode. <laughs> um, Paige, what did you think when you listened to the music? Uh,
1: it reminded me a lot of because I really like Sugar Hill Gang. And it's, mm-hmm. it's a similar cadence. And so I was kind of like, okay, that's where we are. And it kind of reminded me, her voice is very similar to, in some ways, to City Girls. I know that sounds crazy, but City Girls has this very young tone in their rhymes. So you almost, it, it it's one of those things where at first you hear it and you're like, this sounds bad. And then it comes back all the way around to being good again. Where you're like, I feel like this is (laughs) intentional and I'm here for it. And with Roxanne, it's that same kind of feel except it's not bad. It's just automatically in that section of good where you're like, you can tell she's young, but you're like, she's killing it though. Like she's Mm -hmm. on beat. Mm -hmm. She's not out of, you know, she's not out of time and it's great. And for the time that it exists in, it was I am not surprised that it was mind blowing cause there's nothing else like that, you know? Mm-hmm. Yes,
2: absolutely. People were shocked and, and rightly, rightly so.
1: Yeah. It actually, there's a song, uh, it came out a couple years ago and I think the name of the band is pretty taking all fades. I might be wrong, but it's the boss ass bitch song. Like It has Mm -hmm. that same vibe to me where the only difference Mm -hmm. with that boss ass bitch song is that there are choruses and refrains added and Roxanne's revenge is just like straight through. But I did listen to some of her more recent music or things that she recorded after. And it has very much the same vibe and Hmm. I love it. I was like, yes, if I had heard this earlier on in my rap discovery, I would have been all over it. And now I kind of just, get to look back at it and appreciate it for what it is during that, you know, slice of time. Uh, But it's still great. It holds up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She, she
2: released, I think like two studio albums.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm.
2: In the eighties and nineties and maybe, and maybe like a greatest hits compilation, Mm -hmm. but uh, yeah, I got to go back and re-listen to all of it at some point.
1: The later two albums are, a little. I mean, they're they're better produced, obviously, because they weren't just recorded in somebody's room. But they're they clearly have the influence of the record industry on them a little bit, where they're like, okay, you have to have a chorus. Like this, okay. this you don't just get to say mean things about people the whole time. Although, not gonna lie, here for it. Uh, <laughs> but it kind of knits it together into more of what we think of today as a rap song. And at mm, the time, mm-hmm. I think that was still a very nebulous concept.
0: Yeah. 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 There, there were some parts of, of hip hop that were nebulous. But one thing that was kind of defined was that, you know, it was created to. So for, it was created for fun and it was created to squash beefs rather than fighting. Right. And I I love that hip hop is for lovers. <laughs>
1: It is. I mean, listening to her, this reminds me of Roast Battle. It's that same idea Mm -hmm. of like, we're going to fight using our talents. And Mm -hmm. as a female comic in that world, I feel kind of the same way sometimes where it's like, I'm I'm just a good comic. I beat a handful of you. So don't Mm -hmm. try and make it like I'm good because I'm a girl. And by comparison, I'm good. I'm just good. Let me have this, and so I feel kind of a lot of that same energy in a lot of her work, and I respect the shit out of that. Absolutely.
0: Did you have anything you wanted to add about her or about her life, or like I don't know, recommendations for people?
2: I would say that if people are curious, you could go on YouTube and hear her speak in a documentary called Beef 2. Where she, it, mm. it's a docu series about, you know, real life hip hop beefs, and she like talks about the Roxanne Wars. So if anyone's like into hip hop history, that is, that's a good like primary source for that.
0: Nice, Pamela. Thank you so much for being on Black Card Rehab. This was great. I love this.
2: Of course. Thank you so much for letting me ramble about um, Roxanne Shantae. I appreciate it. And we'll thank you for bringing tasty. her
1: into our lives
0: seriously this is this is awesome
1: yeah, absolutely. Can tell
0: people where they can find you
1: sure uh they can
2: find me on the internet on twitter and instagram at pam not anderson um and yeah that's <laughs> <laughs> that's my that's my handle Um, people kept confusing
0: us we look identical so I get it but yeah that's where you can find me nice Paige what do you got going on Uh,
1: this week I'm on 783,000 podcasts and you get (laughs) information about all of them at Paige Wesley on Twitter or at Rampage Wesley on Instagram
0: you guys. So check out all of those things. Thanks. Uh, thanks for listening. Um, please rate and review the podcast, share it with somebody and we'll be black next time. <laughs>